Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. This one for Friday, July 15th, 2022. My name is Steve Baldwin. And joining me tonight are Greg and Dave to talk some Thor Love and Thunder. We're pumped up and excited to share our initial reaction and review for Thor Love and Thunder. We're also going to talk a little bit of Miss Marvel and maybe preview some of the shows we have coming down the road around maybe some Stranger Things, some Star Trek, what we do in the shadows. We're going to cover a lot tonight, guys. There's so much to talk about. Dave's cat is the most miserable looking cat in the face of the planet, too, as he, <laughs> no. as he picks that poor thing up into the screen. My Holy cat Christ, says, dude. My cat says, fuck you, Greg. Wow. <laughs> your cat says, fuck you, Dave. That's what your cat says. <laughs> Nico's not even... Up. God, Nico! Nico's he is curled up and purring as we speak, sir. This is, here's Dave's cat right now. God fucking damn it, Dave. <laughs> you, you knew your cat could sing so well. Nico's not even here. If my cat could sing that well, I would be so rich, I would not be hanging out with any of you guys. And there's FUs going back and forth already on the show, and Nico's not even here. You know, uh, there's a review that I read on, I think it's on WAPO, and one of the comments uh, for, for Thor, Love and Thunder, and one of the comments was, you know, since apparently Brett Goldstein is going to be in uh, Marvel movies... Uh, spoiler alert, dude! You spoiler didn't, alert! You didn't, you didn't, Whoa! Jesus Whoa. Christ, man! I know. Just, well, I, just nobody right in there. I, man. I, I did. <laughs> no lube. Um, why don't they have? And so he's famous for dropping the f bomb on Ted Lasso, quite often. Quite often. So uh, this commenter was saying, "Why don't Hercules and um, a Ryan Reynolds character do? Why don't they do a buddy movie?" Between uh, what what's the what's the, Deadpool, help me out Deadpool, Deadpool yes Deadpool. can you imagine those two just dropping f bombs the whole script is like thirty percent f word uh, thought that was pretty funny anyway welcome to the show everybody sorry oh, for like that, that spoiler like, <laughs> should we throw I like up a the spoiler part of that alert? idea of, but but <laughs> I, I think I would rather have between Deadpool and Brett Goldstein's character in Ted Lasso I think that would be the better show than Deadpool and Hercules, because Hercules is, is kind of just like Thor. I mean, to, to be honest, Hercules is kind of mm. just like Thor. Um, it's like a so. dumb Thor. A dumb yeah. Thor. Thor? Oh. Yeah. Whoa, that's not saying, that's actually quite descriptive. <laughs> I'm say Thor in the comics is, I, he's more of a smart character, more of a, a leadership quality character, mm. and Hercules is like the guy you go to the bar with. Okay. That makes that's sense. Fair. That's I can fair. see that. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, that's I, fair. I I'll buy Brett Goldstein a beer. Let's go out and and talk some Ted Lasso, some Marvel. Exactly. I'm down. I'm down for that. Um, listen, guys, we're going to get right to this because we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, there's a big movie out that's in theaters. The three of us have seen it, uh, and it and is we're called. We're not talking about Top Gun Maverick. 
Before yeah. we get started, time out, time out. Before we get started, yes. I have to. I really, I really have to mention today is a very important day. Today, as we record this show, not the day as the as the day the episode drops, as they say in the business, mm-hmm. or whatever day you might be listening. Today, we record the show, July thirteenth, the year of our Lord, twenty twenty two. There are two birthdays today, two that we have not mentioned on this show at all, and I'm going to tell you. These two gentlemen, spoiler alert, were only born two years apart. One is two years older than the other gentleman. So they're not twins. They're not twins. All right. Mm -hmm. Just trying to narrow it down. They could possibly play them on TV. First one? First one. Birthday number one. And I'll even ruin it right now. He's the older of the two gentlemen. Oh, come on. 82 years young. Spoiler alert. Sir Patrick Stewart himself. Wow. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Charles Xavier. He was that dude in Excalibur back in 1980. Mm. Yes. One of the greatest actors of our generation, Greg. One of the greatest actors of our generation. Mm -hmm. Birthday number two. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. He was Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Birthday number two. Coming in at 80 years old. Mm -hmm. Born July 13th, 80 years ago, today. Harrison motherfucking Ford, guys. Han Solo, Indiana Jones. Wow. The president who says, get off my plane. Mm-hmm. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan himself. Yep. The guy accused of murdering his wife. The guy accused Twice. of murdering his wife. Presumed the innocent guy, and the fugitive. The guy looking for the one-armed man. The guy who fucks that nun in that one movie. <laughs> the fucks the Amish girl in that one movie. Indiana fucking Jones. If you would have told me. Wow. That That's Jean-Luc huge. Picard is only two years older than Han Solo. Mm. I would have told you to go fuck yourself, but mm-hmm. it's true. 82 and 80 years old today, guys. And there's going to be another Indiana Jones movie coming out next fucking year. <laughs> and he's 80 years old. I'm sorry, Harrison, but I would have guessed that you're older than Patrick. <laughs> Apologize. Would you really? I would really? have. Yes, I would have guessed that. Wow. And sorry. Yep. Well... I, w- I wouldn't have guessed that they're so close because Jean Luc Picard seemed old in the '80s when when Star Trek: The Next Generation was an uh, in production show at the time. He seemed old back then, and Harrison Ford seemed like my dad. So, mm. see, that's because you you were only like four back then. That's why everybody seemed old to you. I don't True. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still like four. Wow. Yeah, so John Luke Picard, emotionally, and, yes, <laughs> and Han Solo have the same birthday. That's amazing. This is this wow. is true. This wow. is true. I felt that was worthy of interrupting the show. I'm sorry to sidetrack things, but I felt that it was a it, much it, worthy journey. It mm-hmm. is because they are cap- the respective captains of arguably the two most iconic ships in in filmic sci-fi genre, right? The Millennium Falcon and the Starship Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Those are... Who would win in a fight between the Millennium Falcon and the Starship Enterprise? Mm. If they were to actually fight, it would be the Enterprise because the Millennium Falcon I, I, can I, only I, run away. I gotta yeah. go Enterprise. Yeah, I gotta go Enterprise. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the Millennium Falcon can't win, but it's like in five fights, the Millennium Falcon wins maybe one of those fights. I would I would give it much less odds than that. Never tell Never me that. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> somebody somebody was ready for it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you guys practiced that earlier today, didn't you? I think. 
The whole thing was leading up to that one line for Dave. <laughs> All right, can we talk about Thor, for God's sakes? We're eight minutes into the show, and we haven't even started on Thor yet. Um, Axel Rose's Thor Love and Thunder? Yes. Uh, let's go ahead and, and throw up a spoiler alert, because if you're listening to this show and you have it's, not it, seen... It, it's already been fucking spoiled. It's already too late. For and you have yeah, not... You, you gave away the biggest reveal already. And you have <laughs> not seen Thor. What are you doing? Do not listen to the show. Spoiler alert coming right now. Oh, my... turning this up louder I, I did i when he turned his headphone when he took his headphones off i cranked it up just to yeah, make sure he could I, still I put hear the it. headphones near the cat and the cat left you know <laughs> i'm like why is this getting louder right now that's like i'm out of here um thor love and thunder guys um mm-hmm. is a is a fun movie it's a fun movie it's an interesting movie and i can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Let me just run down a little bit of data for you. The movie was released on July 8th, 2022, directed by Taika Waititi, who's becoming quite the accomplished director. He's uh, done quite a bit of good work for Marvel and apparently oh. allegedly working on a Star Wars movie now. Also, mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. time uh, man crush from Greg Lentz on mm-hmm. the director. Oh, yeah. 100%. Big time. Yep. Uh, it's the fourth Marvel film in the series. And apparently uh, read online somewhere today that uh, Chris Hemsworth is in discussion to do a fifth movie. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll I'll, talk about I'll, why. I'll, 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 get it, I'll get into that story a little later on. We go through everything. But now what's interesting about this is that I just I realized today I'm like, how many movies have there been in phase four of Marvel? Because it just seems like the other day we were talking about, oh, phase four just started. So I went back and looked. You have guys. to count the TV shows, too. Well, yes. Okay, we can count. The, so this is the sixth movie, like theatrical release film of Phase 4. Can you name the six movies, sir? Yeah, only because I have He's them written down. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, well, let's do movies and television because, and I, I won't make you guys try and do this, but let's just run this down really quick. Just since January of 2021, we start with WandaVision. Is that the beginning of Phase 4 is, is WandaVision? Well, is that course. the beginning? Yes, because Phase 4 got really, really garbled, right? It was supposed yes. to launch with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And then yep. that was a, that was completely blown up by the firing of James Gunn and then rehiring. Yep. yep. Right. So yep. That, yep. that slipped on the timeline. And I believe the original launch show for, for the Disney Plus Marvel TV stuff was supposed to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. But because of COVID, that wasn't able to be completed on okay. time, so it wound up being WandaVision. So Endgame, so actually Endgame is not the last of Phase 3. It was actually Ant-Man and the Wasp was the end. Or no, no was it Endgame? It, it was, was Endgame. Spi- no, it was Spider-Man Far From Home. Was the Far end From of Home. Phase three. Far- end of Phase 3, Far From Home. Even okay. though it technically takes place in Phase 4. <laughs> Damn timeline. Because I did, I did some work trying to figure out the timeline over the weekend, and Spider-Man No Way Home starts right after Spider-Man Far From Home. So you can't, 
even though it's a phase three film. I'm like, it takes place in the frickin' middle of phase four. So whatever. Well, and you have all these divergent timelines, but we might see more of that. We might see a phase five releases that actually take place in phase four. It's possible, right? All right. So we start and, with, oh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah. I was going to say, and the fact that, that the most re- and I'm, and I, they all have home in the name and I can never get the Spider-Man movies, right? The most recent Spider-Man movie takes place immediately following the last Spider-Man movie that was released. I mean, because there's the whole reveal of Peter Parker being Spider-Man yep. and one leads right into the next. So it, yeah, it caps off phase three, but it's, it's like Rogue One going into A New Hope. The movies take place immediately after each other. It's far from home into No Way Home, right? Far from right. home into No Way Home. Yeah. All right, so we got yes. WandaVision, January of 2021. Falcon and Winter okay. Soldier that started okay. literally like two weeks after WandaVision ended. That was in March of 2021. Mm-hmm. Loki, another TV show that was mm-hmm. great. I loved Loki, and I loved talking about that with you guys. That was a lot of fun. In June of 2021. Mm-hmm. Then the first movie, Black Widow, July of 2021. So this is mm-hmm. like a year ago from today, roughly. Mm-hmm. July 9th, 2021. Black Widow uh, hit the theaters. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That was September last year. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the fall. So we're into what if in mm-hmm. August, the Eternals in November, Hawkeye also in November. So Hawkeye ran November, December of 2021. That led us into the holiday movie season with Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Then we had a little pause for almost a quarter until we get into Moon Knight in March, Doctor Strange in May, Miss Marvel last month and then just a week ago thor love and thunder that's 11 i think if i counted right Thir- no sorry 13 properties from marvel since january of 2021 that is insane and the sad thing about it is that while you can talk and and you can talk about we all know that Kang the Conqueror is the big the big bad of season four. We don't know that because the only time a we've phase seen four, or phase heard four. mention of him, a phase four, the mm-hmm. only time we've seen or heard mention of him so far is in the Loki series. And he has not as Kang. And not as Kang. He's the guy who lives at the end of the universe or whatever it is. Mm. Um so it's it's weird that that there's really no direction for where phase four is going right now. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's because of all the stuff that Dave had brought up, the, you know, COVID fucking everything up, mm. you know, the having to juggle the schedule because of uh, the, the hiring and the firing and rehiring of James Gunn. It's just, it's, you know, the properties have all been, you know, decent to really good. There hasn't been anything that's a real stinker other than Eternals, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, and I would put "What If" below Eternals, but I might be in a minority there. Oh mm. yeah, I, uh, no, no, uh, no. <laughs> what about what about the the Doctor Strange episode for "What If"? That alone is worth it, and the and I, I, the, I, the Captain uh, America. Uh, no, what's her yeah, name? Look, I'm not saying it's yeah. not important. Captain Britain. Critical yes, Captain what's Britain, going yeah. on? I mean, you've got you've got Thor: Dark World playing in the background there, which is argue, which is legitimately <laughs> one of the worst films that they've done. But is yeah. a super critical movie to understanding, you know, the Infinity Saga of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, regardless of how the quality of these 
uh, Phase 4 so far. It's certainly not hurting the box office. Thor Love and Thunder, just today, as we release the show, as we're recording the show today, today alone, I checked right before we started recording, $13.7 in the box office just today on a Wednesday, domestic. Overall, $170 million domestic, $329 million worldwide on a $250 million budget. The movie's been out for five days. So, so it's doing okay is what you're saying. It's doing okay. Yes. I always, you know, as I'm watching these movies, one thing that's constantly coming up in the back of my head is, A... Should I be taking notes for this to explain this to Steve at a later time? Yes. And B, is Steve taking notes and writing down questions that he has that he can ask us on the next time we re- for the next time we so, record? <laughs> well, so here's my process. Even with the Star Wars stuff, I always try to watch it once as a fan. Like, I don't want to write anything down. I don't want to do it. Just watch it once. But then the second time, I'm like madly typing on my, you know, everything that I see. So I've only seen Love and Thunder once. So, but I do have... Some notes and some questions here for Love and Thunder. Uh, so do do we want to maybe say what just our kind of overall top line reactions were before yeah, we start dissecting this a little bit? That's a great idea. <laughs> and I'll, and I feel I'll, like all these reviews should just be an FAQ for for Steve is what it is. <laughs> he asks the question, we answer it. And, true, and, true and, that. And, and I'll I'll start off with this. So, uh, well, I well I liked the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I will recommend the movie. Yeah. I enjoyed the individual pieces of it. Or segments of it more than I did the the overall finished completed project, if that makes any sense. Any you can disagree and you can disagree with that, but I just hope I'm explaining that well. That I, I like the pieces of it as individual little pieces. Like oh that was really great. Oh I love that. And the overall product, you know, maybe maybe more of a B plus category for me overall. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Dave? And uh, Amy's review of it was uh, that it was an aesthetically pleasing movie for her. <laughs> enough, said, enough said. All right. I mean, I mean, she's, I mean, she's, she's happy she got to see Chris Hemsworth ass. Is that what that is yes. that what that translates to? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hold your hold your Death Star ranking until the end. But um, okay, that's good. And uh, Greg, uh, o- overarching feelings about the movie what what did you me, think about me next movie? okay i'm gonna go a little bit longer than 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 dave here because i'm gonna i'm gonna harken back to um ragnarok which i adored probably my top two or three marvel movies if not my top one um is ragnarok i love it i still watch it it's fantastic dave did not appreciate it as much as i did i think he still just you know i think it's grown on him some because we've just gushed all all over so much Mm. that he has no choice but to just accept that we are right and he is wrong but i don't still i still don't think it's one of his favorites i understand now what dave was talking about after seeing lord whoa okay whoa i am am Um, blown away by this hang on um, i i really am (laughs) I really enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder um, uh, uh, as a whole. You know, uh, from beginning to end, I I enjoyed it. I would go back to the theater to see it one more time because there's stuff that I want to see again. When it comes on Disney+, Plus, I will watch it two or three times when it comes out. However, the whole of the... The whole of the beginning of the movie, the first 45 minutes, you know, it's a two plus hour movie. And for the first 45 minutes, there are so many jokes that are packed in there. 
It's joke after joke after joke after joke. And I laughed at a good portion of them. Don't get me wrong. They're all funny, but none of them really serve the story. Like, I, that's what I really appreciated about Ragnarok is there were a ton of jokes in there, but the story's always moving ahead. With Love and Thunder, for almost the first half of this movie, every time they throw one of these jokes in, the whole movie comes to a screeching halt. And I was like, I'm, I got to the point where like, I'm really over it. I want you to tell a good story. And they began to, they started to, it's a really weird story. It's very Kirby-esque. It deals with fucking, you know, eternity, which is a character I'd never thought that they would put on screen just because it's so esoteric of a concept to throw out there. Um, it's dealing with these universal powers and these, these beyond God beings is something that really you know comes from the mind of jack kirby like i said before and i i really appreciate that they made what is a good comic book cosmic story you know you're not going to see anything else like this until you really get into like what fan whatever they do with fantastic four because you don't see this with spider-man you don't see it really with any of the individual avenger characters like captain america standalone or any of like the you know any daredevil any x-men stuff you don't see that you only see that in and the Thor comics and the Fantastic Four comics. So I was really appreciative that they did this kind of thing. Well, so I, I, I just because I was referenced there. First of all, Greg, I'm, I'm humbled and touched that you you understand what I was saying about Ragnarok now. And I just want to be clear <laughs> to people who might be listening to this for the first time. My objection to Ragnarok, if I'm just looking at it critically as a film, I give it high marks because to your point, Everything there serves a purpose. All the mm -hmm. jokes serve a very specific purpose. My objection to Ragnarok is that it doesn't feel like my Thor. I'm more of a, a Simonson Kirby Thor as opposed to the, the wisecracky Guardian of the Galaxy Thor. And I, I was thinking about this over the weekend. I actually, the Russo interpretation of Thor after Ragnarok that was in Infinity War and Endgame, I love that Thor. That mix mm -hmm. up the wisecrack with the the gravitas of the Brana interpretation that they brought. Mm -hmm. I love that Thor. I will watch that Thor every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And mm -hmm. for everything that I loved about Ragnarok and love and enjoyed about Love and Thunder, it it's not it's not the Thor that I envision or that I want to see on the screen, which is tough for me to say because I know it's what Chris, Chris Hemsworth loves playing and is what keeps attracting him back to the character at yeah. this point. He he has so much fun in this role. Um, that it's it, he's and, and he's really good as this character on the screen. Um, I you know they I just tone it down just a <laughs> just a pitch. Well, is that is okay? So let me pose this this question to you both. Then we, we all share this love of Taika Waititi. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. this movie like Taika Waititi unleashed? Because it certainly feels getting to know his sense of humor and just how this man operates comedically and and the fact that he is essentially the narrator of the film. Uh, does it seem to you, Dave, like it's it's sort of like there's no guardrails for him and maybe there should have been. It, I, I will say that it felt a little unfocused. And I know there were there were a lot of significant things that were cut out of this. Right. Like. Uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum was supposed to be back oh, as the Grandmaster. Uh -huh. Gone. Yep. Uh, Lena Hurdley from uh, from Game Lena, of Thrones. She was supposed Lena to have Heedy. a character. Yep. Yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. She was supposed to Ooh. have a character in this movie. Gone. What, is she, what was she going to play? 
Uh, it hasn't been disclosed, yeah. Mm. And Peter Dinklage also was yeah. back as Eitri e- oh. the Giant Dwarf. Right. Yeah, so there, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of even more unfocused stuff, it would seem, that wound up on the cutting room floor. Mm. And when asked about it, the, the good director explained, like, it because it's just, it's not very good. It doesn't make a very good movie. Yeah. A- and I, I don't know why that is, but it's definitely lacking the crispness of Ragnarok and the, the, the focus and certainty of, of Jojo Rabbit as well. Because mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit yeah. goes over the line, oh. like in practically every frame of that film goes over the line, but it's always with a very distinct purpose, and there's not a lot of throwaway stuff in there. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pick up on that, and I'm going to circle it back to, to Steve's question of, is it him, you know, is it him being let, let, let loose? And I think it's him being told, we want more of that. We want to see Ragnarok on fucking steroids, on fucking acid. And that's what we want you to do. And and I don't know that it works as well because I've seen Jojo Rabbit. I've seen you know, um, uh, Our Flag Means Death, his new show on HBO. Um, both really funny, but a lot of feeling in both of those properties as well. It's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't all have to be yucks and ha-has. They, they can be funny and still serve the purpose of the story. And and I don't think this one does it. I think he's being told we want you to do what you did last time times a hundred, which is a bit of a shame if that's what they did because the the Jane Austen excuse me the the Jane Foster story mm-hmm. that arc that's handled very pretty completely within the context of this movie, mm-hmm. and I actually wish they would have drawn that out more over additional films and given it given it some time to breathe. Because yeah. that is a story that has a lot of heart and a lot of meaning and depth. And they yeah. just didn't, uh, it, it didn't really have the space it needed to. It was crowded out by some great bits. Like, I loved the fact that he made the Hammers characters. Oh. I yeah. Yeah. absolutely great. adored the fact that Stormbreaker was jealous of Mjolnir throughout the movie. <laughs> That was good stuff. And I'm sorry, every time those fucking goats yelled on screen, yes. I laughed every fucking <laughs> yes. time. Yes. <laughs> so, you, Greg, you mentioned the first 40 minutes of the movie and how sort of like, hect- uh, I don't know if, if hectic is the right word, but it just seems like it, it was, was this it was, front, it was full slapstick. frontal assault. Yeah, it was, it was old school, three stooges, you know, Marx Brothers, whatever you want to call it. It was an assault on the senses as far as getting jokes out on the screen there aside i will say from the opening scene with christian bale brilliantly playing gore the god butcher and Mm -hmm. uh seeing him and his daughter in the desert the daughter dies he stumbles along the desert he finds his god's oasis in the desert and turns out the god's you know just a self-absorbed asshole and um, I just thought Christian Which feels Bale feels very this... real, by the way. Like I love, <laughs> I love that idea. It's not an original yeah. idea, but I, I love it that the gods are just like, yeah. What? Who the fuck cares? There will be more followers in the future. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I just thought Christian Bale in in the opening sequence and throughout the movie, um, there's not one scene that he doesn't just you know eat up the screen. Yeah, he he was. I I really uh, I thought it was an interesting take on his performance. The character in the comic books, the character of Gore the God Butcher, is a lot more serious, and this character really you know 
leans into I'm being corrupted of the by the swords, corruption of the soul, and 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 now he's got children, and now he's going to be this evil, you know, Pied Piper kind of dude, you know, leading these guys down this down this path. Um, it was it was interesting. I, I enjoyed him as well. I thought he was, did really well. So I, is, you know, you haven't really seen him as a villain like this before, so it was kind of cool. Is Gore a major character in the comics? Does he? Is there a thread that runs through the comics with him, or is it is it like a one off? Or how does he? How does that? There's play out the a there's a whole series by Jason Aaron, which is basically the Gore the God Butcher. It was a it was a run that took like a year or something like that. That basically tells pretty much this whole story. And some of the panels from the movie, or some of the shots in the movie, are recreations of the panels from the comic book. I mean, like mm. like really, really like faithful. Mm. You know, like the the part where he's standing on the rock. Looking over that giant white beast that was killed—that was that was a god that he was talking about was his friend. There's a comic book image that's that exact shot, except they did add Korg in there for the movie because Korg's not in the comic book. So, mm. yeah, that's that's cool. I love when they oh, do that. So they yes, he does homage. play a major. Yeah. He's not he's not like a Doctor Doom who shows up every now and then. He he had a major storyline that came up for this for this one series. Um, I don't know if he's come back again or not. I really don't. Okay, got it. Um, so what did you guys think of the, uh, the Jane character in this movie? What what were your takeaways? Did you, did you enjoy Natalie Portman's performance? Is it, is it, uh, does it ring true with the comics to you? It it does. And I did, but by the same token, it, it almost felt like her character arc was there completely in service to the arc of the story for Thor's character. And that, mm that feeling just felt a little jarring to me just because I know Marvel's trying to pay more attention to their female characters and have them stand more on their own. And that I'm not saying that she was playing the chick or the girlfriend, just it felt that her arc was completely subservient to the Thor arc, which I suppose makes sense because it's a Thor, it's a Thor, i.e. Chris Hemsworth movie, but she's supposed to be a Thor as well. And I, I, would have liked to have seen it it break and feel more important and have more weight than perhaps it did. And I don't know if you think I'm crazy or not, hmm. Greg, with that reaction. No, I, I, you know, it's I, I'm, I was thinking about what you said earlier, and that her story is 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 told so quickly throughout the story throughout the course of this movie because she has her own run of comics. I mean, that's the one thing that they've done um, with a lot of the MCU stories is they've kind of picked and chosen pieces from different stories and, and mashed them together. You know, Ragnarok, is, a, a large part of Ragnarok comes from actually a Hulk story. It comes from from World, or Planet Hulk, excuse me, it comes from Planet Hulk. Um, and they, that's not, you know, like Thor is not involved in that story at all, but it's, Thor goes to Sakaar and, and Thor becomes a champion there and there's a whole story that's built around that. And so... You know they they have this habit of of doing that with these with these movies, and that's what they've done with the Jane Foster story. But there's so much more to that story that's in the comic books. I mean, it was it was an ongoing series for a time being, and there was a lot to tell there. And, you know, spoiler alert for the comics: she does die in the comics, just like she does mm. in in the movie. But you know, it's it's it was it was told. You know, and you could have had her do her role. And maybe it would have been good to see a a a a, a, a I don't want to call it Lady Thor. What did they call the? They call it Jane Fo- Thor, Jane Foster, or something like that. I'm I'm trying to think of what they called it. Uh, they they still called her Thor because at that point Thor was the unworthy. He he lost mm. the hammer because he was That's no longer right. worthy to carry the yeah. hammer in in the Marvel comics. 
And her death in the Marvel comics was very, very Shakespearean and very, as my writing professors would say, uh, uh, surprising but inevitable. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when the deci- I mean, it, it, when the decision was finally made that nope, to get out of this fight, I have to become Thor again and kill myself to save everything. It's a very gut wrenching moment. It, yeah. Even for someone like like me, who's been reading comics since they could basically read, like you you know what's going to happen, you still feel your heart getting ripped out by it. Yeah, yeah, and you know this was really kind of like the cliff notes version of that again, so you could get to the rest of of Chris Hemsworth, Thor Odinson's story. So mm. I did love when they went back and told the sort of like the arc of the relationship between Jane and Thor. And how they grew together and grew apart and ended up breaking up essentially because they were afraid to hurt one another. Um, I, I just love that whole, and it's, I think it's set to the music to, to ABBA. <laughs> I think. Yes. The, the, oh, we got to talk about the music in the film. And I wish Scott was here. Cause I know he, he would have some strong feels about this, but uh, yeah, the, to the music in the movie is great as well. I really well, hope we, everybody likes guns and roses. Cause you're going to hear a lot of it, <laughs> but, but we certainly understand the choice of the song, sweet child of mine. Yes. For for the trailers and the marketing now, as yeah. as you get to the end of the movie, literally the last line of the movie. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and I appreciated all of it. You know, the scene, the opening scene with "Welcome to the Jungle," I mm. thought was was very well placed. You know, there was a lot that really worked. I don't think that the guitar solo from "November Rain" worked <laughs> quite as well during the big battle. I had the same and feeling, I, and, I, and I'm comparing it to. The last movie during the big battle where they played the Led Zeppelin song, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the Led Zeppelin immigrant, song. Immigrant song. Immigrant song. Thank you, Steve. Where it worked fucking perfectly. Yeah. This was not that. <laughs> now, supposedly, uh, the director has said he was planning on using Kate Bush in the soundtrack, but oh. Stranger Things ruined that option oh. for him. Running up that hill? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know if he's joking about that or not, because, I mean, it is him. He could be totally pulling our leg. But... It is Taika Waititi. That's yeah. true. <laughs> That's got to be a joke. <laughs> that, that... It's got to be a joke, but Guns N' Roses is so heavy throughout. I can't help but wonder, like, oh, is is that is that possible? Did we get November rain because he was planning on using <laughs> Running Up the Hill by Cape Bush? <laughs> yeah, I was just – I was uh, when that – I'm like – it, it just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really it, understand how that fit into the story they were trying to tell there. All I could see is fucking Axl Rose cl- crying in the rain somewhere over a gravesite. I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't get this at all. By the way, small small sidebar. Um, there's a guy on YouTube that I've been watching for a while named Rick Beato. And if you're oh, yeah. if, if you you guitar player, he's he's a musician, guitarist. He plays every instrument, and he's just he's he's fantastic. He's been in the business for thirty years and has all these great interviews. And he does a series called "What Makes This Song Great," um, as part of his videos that he releases. And he just did one on the Kate Bush song, talking about uh, you know capitalizing on the Stranger Things stuff. But that's uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Go check that out, uh, Rick Beato on YouTube. Very, very. Yeah, good he's a, he's a producer by trade. Yes. Um, he's been in bands, but he's a produ- he's been a producer for many years. He was actually he was a semi he was a very popular and and much used producer in the '90s during the the new metal period. And so a lot of the new bat- metal bands were produced by him. 
Um, if you like music production, he's fantastic. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely. Amazing. I watch his videos all the time. I just I love that dude. That guy can play. That guy yes, is he a can. he can play every every artist. instrument. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Um, all right. So what else do we want to say about this movie? Um, I, we're not going shot by shot, scene by scene. I, I, I'm just kind of focused on the, uh, some of the things that stood out for me. What did, what did you think about Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe as Zeus. <laughs> I liked his, his quasi Greek accent. I thought that was hilarious. Actually. <laughs> it was a weird, that was a little, pulled me out a little <laughs> what, bit, but it, you what, know, it's what, Russell Crowe. What would, you, so what would you pick? Would you pick his Greek accent or Kevin Costner's English accent from Robin Hood Prince of the <laughs> It was like a cross of like Greek and Italian though. I don't want to say it was, I don't want to insult any Greeks that that are out there, but because it, it was a cross I, of like I, Greek and Italian. I think Russell Crowe did a good enough job of that already for everybody. So, it's all right. <laughs> uh, and then Tessa Thompson uh, as Valkyrie. She's always I, good. Uh, she's always I liked her. good. She was good. Yeah. But she had she had so there was there was one gag in there that upon reflection I'm like, wow, that was surprisingly dark. And that was in the montage of of kingly duties that she's doing where she opened the uh the infinity cones <laughs> ice cream stand. Ice cream stand. Oh. <laughs> which if you think about it is an ice cream stand based on the idea of a genocide that was prevented for half the population of the known universe. <laughs> and I'm like, that that is a shockingly dark business plan and sight gag to put in there. Infinity cones. Well, the whole idea is is just is really kind of devilish that if you have an alien race, for all intents and purposes, relocating onto Earth, the best thing you can do is come up with theme park attractions for their home. I mean, they have the Asgard, <laughs> the Rainbow Bridge ride that they end up, you know, lashing the goats to and takes them on their journey for the for most of the movie. You have, uh, you know, them Matt Damon and and the other Hems, Hemsworth brother. I'm not sure which Hemsworth Hemsworth brother it is. The third Hemsworth and Sam, brother. And Sam Neill recurring their roles as the actors coming back and and staging plays for the visiting, you know, humans, if you will. And, and um, Melissa McCarthy as hell, which was another oh. great. Yeah, I, I I wasn't all in on that. I was really in on on Matt Damon coming in. I wasn't all in on on Melissa McCarthy, and it's just because I I really I kind of have a, a a terrible disdain for Miss Melissa McCarthy. I don't think she's funny at all. I've never seen her in a movie where I thought she was good. Even Bridesmaids, I've never I've never enjoyed her. The only thing she's been good in that I thought was funny was when she was doing Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live, and that's about it. God, she did tear that up, didn't she? She yes, did she tear did. that up. Yeah, she did. Uh, did anyone when when you mentioned the Rainbow Bridge ride when I <laughs> when I saw that, and I guess I never I never saw it before. Or it's been, the Rainbow Bridge has been in other movies, right? Is, this yes. Is, okay. Yes. Although it was broken at the end of the first movie. Okay. Um, so they, they that's right. They, and, and so they don't really have to take the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Even though at the end of the first movie, they they, they said they can never get back to Earth. You know, without the Rainbow Bridge, but it's never been a problem. So, <laughs> okay. So, what I thought of, what my mind flashed to when I saw that Rainbow Bridge was Anchorman. I don't know if you remember the scene, but Ron Burgundy and Veronica finally hook up and they're, they have sex and they go to like Pleasure Land and they're sliding down this <laughs> Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I my mind free association. This is, I don't this know. is what I'm working with, people. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Anchorman, one of the funniest movies. 
Good night, San Diego. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Probably the last funny Will Ferrell movie, too. I don't know if uh, you know this, but uh, I'm pretty important. <laughs> it's just so horrible. Anyway, uh, good stuff there. Um, all right. I have a rundown of the music really quick, guys. I just gotta okay. gotta spend some time. All right, we got sweet sweet child of mine. Now mm-hmm. the Guns and mm-hmm. Roses stuff was great mm-hmm. in the movie, but I I have to I gotta say I kind of got I was like waiting for it because the trailer was so good, and I was so mm-hmm. fired up about the trailer that it wasn't it lost a little bit of luster in the movie for me. But still, good good stuff. Got some Enya in there, um, Rainbow in the Dark, Rainbow in the Dark. Dio, that was pretty yeah, good. That, that um, I was playing over the end credits there. I was like, wow, they're going with Dio here. All right. Uh, Paradise <laughs> City, um, ABBA, Our Last Summer, uh, Mary, Day, Mary J. Blige, um, Family Affair, More Guns N' Roses, um, November Rain, as you mentioned, which I totally agree with you. The guitar solo does not work <laughs> nearly as well as Immigrant Song. Um, what else? Let's see. We got, uh, oh, um, hmm. That's all Michael Giacchino stuff. Giacchino. Giacchino? Giacchino. Isn't tight either way. Excuse me. Um, uh, while you're looking that up, he is going to be directing something, I think, for Marvel coming up here. Michael Giacchino? Giacchino? Yes. Giacchino! Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm going to look it up while you're going through that. I don't see any. I guess that's all the pop songs and other than Michael Giacchino's uh, score for this movie, but. Really, really fun and great use of the GNR stuff. It's great to see that come back. He is going to be directing an untitled Marvel Halloween special that's supposed to air this year. That is supposed. That is uh, allegedly focused around Werewolf by Night. Isn't that weird? Good on him, though. The guy has made, you know, you could almost consider him almost a successor to John Williams. Ooh, bite your tongue. And he's going to be directing movies. Yeah. Dude, John Williams is going to be dead soon. Let's all face facts. Why you got to go dark, man? Yeah, man. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, bring us down. All right. What else do we want to say about uh, Thor here? Any any well, other Anything else stand out for you guys? Well, the the ending, I thought, was, was, mm, was sweet. And the tie-in. Because yeah, normally I hate movies that begin and end with a narration. Mm-hmm. Normally I do. But I like that. Korg is starting off telling us this story, and it ends with, "Oh, this is why they're called Love and Thunder." Because so, so movies like Goodfellas, you hated. Fucking hate Goodfellas. <laughs> Fuck that fucking thing. <laughs> normally, I said normally, I do. I oh. don't trust them. Why are you laughing, Greg? What's what's so funny? What's so funny? Oh, you? Am I am I, am oh, I a clown? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I, okay. I loved how they tied that all together, and now Thor is you know a dad. And he's out in the universe teaching this young kid the way the ways of being a hero. And Thor will return. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that we left that Natalie Portman is in Valhalla because mm-hmm. she died in battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's so a post credit scene. Are we are we going to break these down well, really quick? Well, I mean, well, let's... why the fuck not? We already broke it. We already ruined the first one in the first five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> I did bury the lead a little bit. Sorry about that. So there's there's actually two post credit scenes, and one of them is what you're talking about, Dave, with yeah. with Jane Natalie... in Valhalla. Yeah, and with, that with, is that with, is with, with Heimdall. With, yeah, and that is the arc the character goes through. Is after she does die, she is resurrected in the comics as a as a Valkyrie. Hmm. 
and goes on to now fight as, you know, Jane Foster, Valkyrie Warrior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so if you're that's I now on I the table, I don't know. I don't know if Heimdall's dead in the in the in the comics. Does anybody not, know? He's, he's dead here in the in the movies. Yeah. Mm. Who we did not see in Valhalla is uh, Loki, makes which, no appearance at all. Died could, in battle. But yes, and there could be a Loki in Valhalla, which I love, yeah. and I hope we get to yeah. see Loki in Valhalla. Yeah. So again, and maybe that's something for season two of Loki. Although I think that's technically a, a different Loki in this. It's a different series? Loki. It is a different Loki. Mm. Okay. So confusing. But I do hope we get we get Loki and Valhalla because that is something that this film was missing, which is the, <laughs> the natural chemistry and banter that does exist between Chris yeah. Hemsworth and Tom. So uh, as I know we're talking about, but at, while we're on the Loki topic, uh, going back to the scenes at, at, uh, at the meeting of the gods, it's not Olympus, but it's, it's, it's where all the gods met. Eternia, um, I think. And, and where, where Zeus flicks away Chris Hemsworth's clothes we see the R.I.P. Loki tattoo that, that, that Thor has gotten, which was fucking spot on. It's yeah. great. Um, did anybody recognize any of the other tattoos? There were a bunch he, of tattoos on his back, and I, and I haven't gone and looked for the breakdown of what they all are. There's, so. there's a scroll that has names like Loki and Odin and Frida and Tony and, and <laughs> Natasha on it. It's <laughs> great. And Natasha. Yeah. Yeah, Black Widow. I don't. I couldn't stop looking at his ass. I. I, I just. <laughs> None of us could. He None is could. ripped beyond belief. I mean, Jesus Christ! How do you? How yeah. much must you work out? What kind of a commitment does it take to look like that? I. I it's amazing. I know. It's amazing. Wait, it's crazy. There, there are websites, Greg, devoted to what are all the tattoos on Chris Hemsworth okay. back in that movie. No. Just like there are figuring out what are all the Jedi names in the path. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So uh, I guess that so we so we've got Valhalla. Um, um, the other big scene was mm. was Zeus did not actually die when Thor threw the lightning bolt at him mm-hmm. or the thunderbolt. Excuse me, he threw the thunderbolt at him. Um, he did not actually die, and he he swears his revenge upon the Norse gods, and he recruits uh, his his. Uh, one of his sons, his half-human son, by the way, which mm. is of course Hercules from 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 is that Greek mythology, Dave? Yep. I, where mm. from Greek myth? So Hercules is his half-human son, played by of course Gret, Brett Goldstein. And the first thing I mentioned to Car on our way out uh, is Thor is is extremely ripped, as you just mentioned, Steve. Yes. Huge. And just and and looks like Thor as as Thor should like he looks like Thor should look. I mean, if if you're gonna hire somebody as Thor, you make him look like fucking Chris Hemsworth because that's what the guy is supposed to look like. Right. Hercules looks like that, but with dark hair. So I don't know what they're gonna do mm. with Brett Goldstein because I've seen him in in Ted Lasso. He does not look like Chris Hemsworth. So I hope the boy's eating some egg whites. I hope he's you know I, I hope he's got got a personal trainer. Because boys got to put on some LBs, man. Don't skip leg day. Don't skip leg. Don't skip back day. Don't skip don't arm skip day. Crunch day. Don't, don't skip chest day. You got some work to, to, to put in there, buddy. You got you to get the reps in is what I'm saying. I think I think he can do it. I mean, he's not a small guy. He's, 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 uh, he's slight, 
He's lean, but he's I don't think he's a small dude. I think he's got I think he's got the frame for it. He can pull it off. Well, the movie is not even apparently they haven't even cast Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth in this movie yet, so mm. he's got some he's got some time. Let's just say he's got some time. Yeah, it, the 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 last if you stay all the way through, the last thing is the, the old school Marvel Cinematic card that just says Thor will return. Mm-hmm. And Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth said my reaction to that was to to turn to Natalie and say, are they talking about you? Because I'm not under contract for anything else. <laughs> and, and Natalie Portman's like, I don't know what they're talking about. And Taiki I thought they were talking like, about you. There's going to be another Thor movie? Wait, I'm not under contract for anything. Like, no, Apparently nobody knew that was being dropped in. That's crazy. All right. Um, I'm going to end this part of the show with Steve's dumb Marvel question of the day. I really need well, to Excellent. One. We're limiting it to only one. I really need to produce here. Let's just uh, produce on the fly here. It's Steve's dumb Marvel question of the day. It's disgusting. Are you insane? That's pretty Fuck good, you, actually. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. I'm going to isolate that for sure. Um, okay. My dumb question of the day for Marvel is, regarding Marvel is, Okay. I was expecting to see. Okay, you're talking about who is the big bad. I was looking for the big bad. Mm-hmm. I I immediately got the sense that okay, Gore, you know, the God Butcher. Okay, he's a bad guy. He's not going to be the big bad. He's just not mm-hmm. big and bad enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking forward to seeing something about Galactus. We've been talking about Galactus as the big bad in. Phase four. At least I remember us talking about that going into phase four. As a possibility, yes. No Galactus in this movie, as far as I know. So my question is, where is Galactus? And are you guys still predicting Galactus as the big bad in phase four? Uh, I'm not. I am not. Um, We we have one member of the Fantastic Four introduced and anything related to galactus has to come through the fantastic four mm. so you got to have them come first before you have a galactus um i still am of the belief and i'm sorry if i'm stepping if i'm cutting you off here dave i am still of the belief that the big bad for this faith which is still really unclear that it's going to be quang or kang the conqueror not quang kang the conqueror wang the conqueror Quang the Conqueror. Racist. Racist, yes. <laughs> That's why I corrected it. Kang the Conqueror. Kang the Conqueror. Um, and he great, will right? make he will make his appearance next, as far as we know, in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So. Okay. That's where we'll see him next. Greg, so, you agree? Or, I don't or know if that's anything the to end at Phase mm. 4, if that's somewhere in the middle of Phase 4. I don't know. Phase 4 seems to be going on for an infinite amount of time. I don't know when the end of Phase 4 is coming. Phase 4, theoretically, is going to get to an end with the Fantastic Four movie, which has never had a release date announced, and by the way, lost its director. So, Oh, did it? Oh, that's right. John Watts. That's right. Yeah, He's John Watts on. bowed out. That's right. Oh, wow. Well. So, I, I'm with you. I don't know when phase four is going to end. I think Galactus still could be a big bad. I think that's still possible. But to your point, Galactus came from the Fantastic Four. They're not going to introduce Galactus be- 
before they introduced the Fantastic Four. And I feel like just as Thanos was introduced introduced as the, the tag end scene for Avengers, like that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. We would get the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four, we would get an origin story, and then the tag scene is some like weird zoom out of Galactus and the Herald, the, an Herald, a Herald, and then and then it's faded to black. See, and, and, that, and, and that could be the thing. And the simple fact that they haven't given any real allusions to Galactus anywhere is the only thing that makes me think that perhaps he still is a big bad character being held because they put they put a lot of stuff into Thor of the of Love and Thunder of the cosmic characters, and Galactus was not one of them. So. You know, that kind of leads me to leads me back to what we were talking about before with we we always knew it was going to be Thanos as the big bad for for that series. But like Dave says, Thanos isn't in, really introduced until the last movie of phase one. He's really teased at in phase two and he becomes an in the flesh character in phase three. And that's when they kill him off. So. I, I guess if they're following that same formula, we don't figure out who the big bad is until we get to the end of phase four, if we're following that same formula. And maybe it will be Galactus, but we won't see anybody fight Galactus until the end of phase six at that point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I say they introduced, they, they dropped a lot of stuff in. When they were having that, that climactic fight in Eternity's Cave, mm-hmm. there were statues there of mm-hmm. multiple cosmic beings from the marvel cinematic universe there was a, a statue of the, eternity in the cave the, the living tribunal was there there was, there was a statue of infinity in the cave mm-hmm. there was a statue of death in the cave there was a statue mm-hmm. of the watcher in the cave the living tribunal mm-hmm. was there and uh eon was there and i think there was a statue of one of the celestials as well uh the one above all yeah, they were they were hinted at all over the place, but they were hinted at in the Loki series as well. There was there were statues and references to all of those characters, I believe, in the Loki series also. So it, it again, those are those are characters that that hobnob with Galactus that are on the same level of of importance or or cosmic <clears throat> grandeur as Galactus, and he is conspicuous in his absence so far. Mm-hmm. So that's the only that's the only kind of breadcrumb that makes me think that perhaps he is still a big bad if not the big bad and and Feige has said that this the arc of the story is not going to mirror what we saw for the infinity saga so don't don't necessarily look to oh we did it that way for phase one two and three and that's going to re- lather rinse repeat for four five and six in terms of a story structure yeah i like that i, I think I, that's good because they, they've yeah, introduced I, a lot of stuff here to digest and say you can go this way or that way or over here and there's still all this other all these other threads that you could pick up and do at a later time as a result. Well, and as we see today cuz they just ended Miss Marvel and I think this is kind of the out that Steve was looking for as they introduce Miss as they end as they close out the Miss Marvel series today there's a lot more that's introduced now. So they are still going. All right, that's a great transition. Thank you for answering this Steve Stupid Marvel question of the day, guys. Let's transition now for the last few minutes of the show to a, we'll, we'll call it a broad overview of Miss Marvel. We haven't talked about Miss Marvel at all on the show. And I'm feeling it's barely a, been mentioned. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit guilty about that because I'm I'm seeing some great reviews now that the series has ended. I've got to go back. It's something I need to binge now. Um, I, you guys are caught up on it. 
what is your impression of Miss Marvel? And I'm not worried about spoilers. Don't worry about spoiling me. Um, but warning to the audience, we're gonna we're gonna we might spoil the entire thing for you here. So if you haven't seen Miss Marvel, go watch it and then come back and listen to this portion of the show. But guys, what do you think? What what is your what is your go spend six hours watching a show and then come back and, and then come to back to this show for our five because that's kick, commitment. Six hours, but I'll 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 kick off. I loved a lot of it. Uh, I said this in the pre-show. I can't believe they mined the clandestine as as source material and characters for something. That is nuts to me. I can't believe I saw that when they introduced the the red dagger group. I was just like, oh, a nut yet how? And I know it's a cliche of comics, but even in my in my head, I'm like, oh god, come on! How many secret fucking societies are there in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe at this point? I mean, Jesus Christ, people! Jesus Christ! Uh, but. <laughs> The, the magic of the lead character. And Marvel has a pretty pretty almost unblemished record of casting for its films, not just in the lead characters, but the supporting and minor characters as well. Yeah. They did a fantastic job finding this actress because she is a joy to watch. And it is a good window onto a, a, you know, a, a different cultural experience than perhaps most of us have had growing up in America. And, and I valued that out of the show. So I'm going to, that's my overview. And then Greg, I think you can do your overview and then we can come back to what are, what are the big threads that they kind of introduced in the last 120 seconds of the show? Um, yeah. I, I also um, feel the same way that you did. I, I, I did not like religiously binge this show. Like I was always keeping up to date week after week after week, but I would catch I would catch up to the episode uh, you know, midweek or something like that, or early on a early on the weekend, just to just to to knock it out. Uh, and I really really enjoyed it. And I think it's because, like you say, because this this young lady who's the actress playing uh, Kamala Khan um, is great in this role. You know, when we when we first saw Tom Holland as Spider Man, mm. I think we all kind of fell in love with that kid, and and we all appreciated the enthusiasm and the energy and you know the the just kind of the 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 wide-eyed wonder of 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 him inhabiting this character and 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 what it's like to be a child with the with these gifts and and how you use them and everything i get that same energy out of out of um this actress's name and i don't i don't know what her real name is but uh i get the same energy out of her and she is you know, just as good as her, in her role as as Kamala Khan as Tom Holland is as Peter Parker. So, if you appreciate what Tom Holland's doing, you'll appreciate what what this young lady's doing with this role. Um, and and really is the reason to watch the show for me because she's she's so good. She's so she's coming into it so wide eyed. She's really having fun doing it, and and really making it fun for the person who's watching the show. The actress is Iman Vellani is her name. I'm in Volani. I'm in Volani. She's yeah. she's great in this show. Cannot recommend her uh, this this show enough just for her. But Excellent. to go along with that, and Dave kind of brought this up as well. I think it was in the off show comments. The the people that she has as her family, and the show is very much about family. You know, it's very much about family ties, and 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 you know how you how you kind of have to live with your legacy and everything like that. You know, she's in she's a she was born in the United States, but she's a child of immigrants. And so she's got her foot in the, in the modern world. It all takes place in Jersey city for the most part. Um, there's, 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 except for the two episodes that don't, 
except for the two episodes that don't. <clears throat> but there's not any, you know, universe spanning, you know, mm. in a way. It's it, it's it's a really self-contained story that's just a lot of fun to sit through. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my overview of it right there. So, to to tie up the conversation about it though let's get to the last two minutes because that's all i think everybody is going to be talking about <laughs> the origin okay. the origin of miss marvel in the tv show is very very different from what it is in the comics and we could do a i could do a whole podcast on oh, the why that is behind the scenes the business of it because it's this, it's a giant rabbit hole to go down hmm. but this, let's just this leave it is, at different this, for a reason this is this is kevin feige completely fucking with everybody right now this is a complete (laughs) yes there's meta upon meta layers of what's happening here but when we get to the end of it the 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 conceit of the show is that she gets her powers from a a bangle basically is what they call it Mm -hmm. that apparently belonged to her grandmother Mm mm-hmm and as the tv show version this is the the tv TV show version version. okay this is the tv show version her her kid scientist friend who is apparently a bioengineer on the level of Hank Pym or Bruce Banner says that he's been isolating her genetic makeup and comparing it against her family and that there is something that's just different about her genetic makeup and he's saying maybe, what would you know, cause that Dave what would possibly cause he that says the <laughs> only thing he can think of that would cause it the only thing he could use to describe it is that it's it's some type of mutation and the music <laughs> that they play when he says mutation is from the X-Men animated series from 1997, which is the same music cue that they used when Patrick Stewart appeared in Doctor Strange in the Madness of the Multiverse. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so they just they drop a bomb literally on the way out. That is like one of the last lines of dialogue in the episode that it's not just a magical bangle that gives her her powers. She's a mutant. She's also a mutant. Which, and we're going to get a little bit, bit of inside baseball, because I know this is what Dave wants to talk about as, as well. So they've never had mutants in the MCU because it was owned by Fox. So because they could never have mutants back in the day... When they were first getting started out, um, uh, who was the other guy who was in Ike Perlmutter? Ike Perlmutter. Yeah. Was was the other guy in charge of the MCU. He was so mad he could not have mutants or anything like that. He scrounged together every character he possibly could and said, okay, the MCU versions of mutants are going to be the Inhumans, which are because they did own those properties. And that's like Black Bolt. Black Bolt shows up in in um multiverse of madness he's the guy who gets the back of his head blown out when his mouth gets sealed shut um he's an inhuman so in the mcu because they did not own any of the rights to mutants they had to call them all inhumans in the comic books now kamala khan is an inhuman (laughs) (laughs) so now that they own all of it they don't make Kamala Khan her comic, her true comic book character, not a true. They don't make her her comic book character counterpart and make her an Inhuman like she is to, to correspond. No, they make her a mutant instead. So this is 
really this is all of this is designed just to confuse steve baldwin is what the hell this is designed well to do. or or is it really well that's that's that might be an offshoot i don't know if it's designed for me but is it is it a big fingers up to like look what we get to do now it, fucker it, it it is because yeah the clashes between Fage and Perlmutter nearly led to Fage quitting the, yeah. the Marvel Studios MCU job. And uh, Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Mm-hmm. Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Uh, made a, a critical decision. He usually, when, when he purchases these types of brand companies, he usually leaves the leadership team intact that was there when he bought it. And the friction between Perlmutter and Fage was so bad, and he didn't want to lose Fage that he specifically stepped in and erased the line from Fage to Perlmutter and redirected it to himself. And that is the reason that Fage stayed and did Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we are all here today still talking about this. I, I, I think it I – don't, I don't know this for sure, but it almost seems like that it came down to – it's a him or me type of moment for Kevin Fage. I mean, yeah. he really, they were, there was so much friction between the two of them. And Perlmutter, again, was all in on this Inhuman show, which was eventually released and did not even make a full season's worth of airing before they canceled it. That's how badly it failed. It's, so. And it's a horrible, just, just a putrid piece of show. Mm. Yeah. And, all and, respect and so, to the people who worked on it, including Anson Mount, who I really, really enjoy and respect as an actor, but just a bad show, man. Yeah, it, it was going. It was going because both Perlmutter and Faggy had two different ideas for where they wanted the MCU to go. This is at the conclusion of Phase Two, like Dave, like Dave says, and Feige says we're going to do it this way, or I'm walking. And so he he won that war. I think Ark, Ike is still around. Um, Ike is Ike is still around. He's still making a lot of money. Still donating a lot he, to uh, former President he, Trump. But uh, <laughs> but he does, he doesn't have anything to do with the MCU as we know it as of today. No. No. And that Perlmutter was also opposed to a Black Panther movie and a Captain Marvel movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why we get those because yeah. because because Feige won, and this is these are the movies that he wanted to produce, and and um, I, I think history will show he may have done okay. I I think I think, I think you're I think right, so. but I'm I'm also going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say we have the Black Panther movie coming out in November, Black Panther two. And yeah, that's the, that's it appears, the next one. It appears that uh, Namer of Atlantis is going to be making an appearance in that movie. Hmm. And Namer has, been, <laughs> Namer has been defined as the first mutant of the Marvel Universe. Because he's except a, for, uh, except uh, for Kamala Khan. I, well, I'm just saying, it, it, depending, I'm just saying, it, it, it's interesting <laughs> that they've now thrown, down the, thrown it down. Like, mutants exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe... And now one of our next products that we get might be Namer, who the comics have, have marketed for years as the first mutant of, of the Marvel comics. Uh, and I agree with you that that's how they're doing it, but that is such a, a horrible, horrible, and I mean that sincerely, horrible <laughs> retcon of history. Yes, it is. Because it, it is. the character of, 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 of Namor, the Submariner, who has wings on his ankles... Um, I'm not. I, I'm not kidding, Steve. He has wings. Not, he has tiny not, little wings on his ankles, and it's how he flies. <laughs> so he can't wear socks and have superpowers. And he and he and he also lives underwater, <laughs> and he has wings on his ankles. What the fuck? <laughs> 
He's, he's being so ran- fast to sing the whole he can't wear socks and have superpowers observation. <laughs> Is that a real around? thing? Are you? <laughs> I'm not. We are not fucking with you. I will show you pictures when we're done. He has wings Jesus. on his ankles. It's how he flies, and he's super strong, so he can like pick up a Navy submarine and fly with the Navy submarine with these little tiny wings on his ankles. <laughs> wow. He's been around since the 40s. He's been around forever. He's the X Men came out in the 60s. Namor had come back and made appearances in the Fantastic Four. Was never referred to as a mutant. They didn't start calling him a mutant until probably the 90s. It was maybe the, 90s. the 80s. It was the 90s. It was definitely It was during the burn run on Namor. Yeah. So in the 90s, the, oh well, he's actually a mutant, is what he is. Oh fuck you. He doesn't have. Not everybody has. I know it was the 90s, and everybody had to be a mutant because it was cool back then. But not everybody has to be a mutant, guys. Captain America's not a mutant. Isn't he? Batman's not a mutant. Batman's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> not so, yet. So that so that's one of the that's one of the things that's dropped in the last two minutes. Okay. Okay. That's, so that's only like one. In the last. Yeah, that's one of that's in Jesus. the that's in the actual episode, and then they start rolling credits, okay. and then we get our first cut scene from Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. and okay. she basically comes back in a room, she's in her costume, she plops down on her bed, she's exhausted from everything. Her mom is yelling at her from downstairs about needing to do homework or something. She kind of sits back up and looks at her bangle, and her bangle starts firing, starts going off. Yeah, which is not normal. Normally, the thing responds to her, not the other way around. And then she just kind of implodes into space, which is not something we've ever seen happen before. And then it was not a, it was not a power that was displayed at any time during the show. No, 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 no. And then something, another figure seems to explode out of the space and go flying through the wall and the door into the closet. And we don't really see who it is until she steps out, and it's Brie Larson, huh? Okay. Captain Marvel herself. Carol Danvers, with a new haircut, which I appreciate it. New haircut, slightly, slightly tweaked costume, too. (laughs) And she's kind of looking around the room, because one of the the motifs of this is that Kamala Khan is a giant Captain Marvel fangirl. Mm. Captain Marvel is her favorite superhero. So just just like a teenager, the room is a shrine to Captain Marvel. Mm. And Brie Larson is just kind of looking around wide-eyed, and is like, oh, no. No, 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 no. And runs out of frame. Fade to black, Credits. and it says, "Miss Marvel will return in the Marvels," mm. which is and it's, Captain it's been Marvel pre- Two coming out next year. Yeah, it's been, it had been previously announced that she was going to be appearing in the Marvel along with um, uh, uh, Monica Rambeau mm-hmm. out of out of the uh, Wanda WandaVision. WandaVision series yeah. with her new powers. And I don't know if they've named her Photon yet or if she's also going to go. With uh, Captain Marvel, um, I don't know. I don't know. So hmm. here's a fun thought, and it's something that I had when I first saw the bangle get introduced. And I said this to Scott. I don't know if you were around for for that recording, but I asked Scott. I said, "Doesn't that look a lot like a Nega band?" <laughs> right. The original, the bracelets that the original male Captain Marvel wore that gave him his yes. powers. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, the, I, I, I wasn't there for that, and I did not pick up on that at all until you just said it just now. And, and for Steve's benefit, so with the original Captain Marvel, the shtick with the Negabands was when you clap them together, you trade places with your secret identity person, who for Captain Marvel was Rick Jones. 
And whichever one is not occupying space in our physical universe gets transported somewhere else. In the comic books, it was the negative zone, a Fantastic Four setting. Hmm. Yeah. But I, it, when I saw it, I was like, God, that looks like one of the Negabands. And that, that also was kind of a running theme throughout. Like, oh, where is the other one of these bangles? Hmm. Yeah. Like, here's the one. Where would the other one be? And so yeah. when that happened, I just had a thought like, oh, crap. Is that is that are they somehow linked? Is that what they're going for here? Is it's not that they traded spaces exactly, it's that now suddenly they're linked and one of only one of them can be here at a time. Hmm. And maybe and maybe that's why she's so panicked also in that she realizes she's displaced somebody else to the negative zone because maybe that's where she's come from. Maybe that's where she was. Maybe she was looking for the Fantastic Four because Doctor Strange yeah. made some reference when he saw Mr. Fantastic. He's like Aren't you from the 60s? Like, they were <laughs> part of Marvel, the Marvel history, but they haven't been for a while. Like, they've been missing in action or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like the Wasp was for so many years. True. True. Man. So, yeah, lots of major future repercussions just coming out of literally the last 90 or 120 seconds of this show. <laughs> which is which is honestly most of what Phase 4 has been so far, right? It's been a lot of yeah. setup for things to come that, that haven't actually arrived yet. And for the volume of product that's been produced, that's yeah. why it's... It, when people say this is starting to feel like homework, I, I kind of am starting to understand why they're feeling that way. Because, yeah, I mean, if you think about the things that have been introduced, I mean, there's the whole, um, so Secret Invasion is coming, so we've got scrolls that are out there, and they're they're living among us. We've got the the Secret Avengers that are being forged, forged through Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and she's mm-hmm. got, you know, she's got U.S. agent so far. She's got um, um, Yelena, the, the new Black Widow, you know, working for her as well. I'm sure she's got others she's looking to recruit. There's a possibility of a Thunderbolt series that's out there that keeps getting thrown around, although yeah. that was led by um, uh, General Ross, who William Hurt recently passed away, so I don't know what they're going to do about I don't know how that really affects those plans. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of threads. There's a, a lot a of plates Avenger, that are spinning Young right Avengers. Back. They've basically Avengers. got the entire Young Avengers lineup in place already. Yeah, because that's that's Wiccan and and Speed and uh, uh, Kid Loki and the the the, the Captain the young, America one. Who's the yeah, Captain the young, America? Yeah, the young Super Patriot kid. Yep, yep. Um, and we're and now and now we got Ms. Marvel in there. Oh, and Kate Bishop and Kate Bishop as yeah. well. My God, yeah, it's just, it's just there. If they slow down just a tick, just with what you just mentioned, <laughs> they could go for a decade. Just yeah. with what we're yeah. talking about in the last five minutes. They, they could. And they, you know, they used to announce these things pretty far in advance. But if you think about it, we don't really know about anything that's really scheduled after next year, right? We know that we have uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Ant-Man 3. We know we have mm-hmm. Captain Marvel 2, a.k.a. the Marvels. And Guardians uh, 3. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3, long-awaited mm-hmm. uh, third installment of that one. The Fantastic mm-hmm. Four movie is unscheduled, and the Blade movie is unscheduled. Oh, I forgot about Blade. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like we we have three, we have we have four more movies coming out in the next nine months that we know about, and beyond that, they haven't said anything. And normally, normally they telegraph what they're doing a little more in advance than this. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So much. So, so much. much. 
right, guys, we got to bounce. We got to get out of here. We're running long. Um, I'm going to get out, and then I'm going to ask you a Bomb question. Biker. All right. Are we saving the question for the post credits? Or are we squeezing the question into the outro? Uh, well, here's my question, really quick. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. Are you guys caught up on the boys? Yes. No for Dave. Yes, yes for Greg. Yes. All right. I haven't watched a single episode. Oh, all right. Never had one lesson. Like ever, or just season three? Ever. Oh, well, you oh, got a lot. You got a lot. You, you, should, you should. You should check it out. You should check. I don't know if you've read the comic book. It's very dark and violent, and the show is equally dark and violent. Um, but I, I enjoy it. It's a good show. It's it on has Amazon. Carl, it has Carl Urban on it, right? It sure yes. does. I do seasons. love me some Carl Urban. He's fantastic. And it's, and a, it's kid, a very fun show. the kid show. Is, is Jack Quaid, who's the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Yes. <laughs> and who I just realized over the weekend was in the... Um, uh, the Hunger Games movies. He was one of the kids in those. But who knew? With the Hemsworth, probably. Probably. There was Possibly. there was a Hemsworth in that movie as well. I I don't think I've ever seen an entire Hunger Games movie. Oh. Uh, they just run on a loop in our house, just in the, our living the, room. The first, the first <laughs> two, is, is the that first or two, Twilight for the last <laughs> eleven years. Yeah, the first two are honestly really good. The, yeah, the they're Mocking pretty good. The Mockingjay ones kind of fall apart. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Hey, did we ever do the uh, overall rankings number of Death Stars for Thor? I don't think no. we did. No, we didn't, but I would give it two Screaming Goats for sure. Two Screaming Goats up. Two Screaming Goats. Uh, Greg? Um, three and a half out of five Death Stars. Okay. I'll give it three. Three three out of me. I would. I will go see it again just so I can understand Marvel lore. And Nico gives it uh, one piece of avocado avocado toast. <laughs> Which he's allergic to, so that makes sense. And Scott, I'll vote for Scott. I I hate The Last Jedi. There you go. All right. Episode number, I don't know what we're on, 218 or something like that, is in the books for July 15th of 2022, guys. This was a fun one. It's fun breaking down these Marvel movies. We've got a lot more to come coming your way in the next few years. So join us as we break them all down for you. Until then, may the force be with us all. <laughs> <laughs>